Just James Horror Review. I'm your host, Just James, and guess what? It is Book Review Day! That's right, listeners, it is Book Review Day, and we are back with Bits and Pieces, a collection of horror shorts, drabbles, and dark poetry by Jonathan Edward Andrashek. Well, hello there, listener, and welcome back to the Just James Horror Review. I'm your host, Just James, and today, book review day, everybody's other favorite day, we are going to be covering author Jonathan Edward Andrashek's book, Bits and Pieces. It is a collection of horror stories, drabbles, and dark poetry, published by Plum Fucked Press. Now, you can go to plumfuckpress.com. They have a website with all their other titles available. They also, it looks like they also help with editing. So if you need help editing your short stories or long stories, go to the website there, see what they have to offer, and if they can help you out. I was sent a care package by Plum Fuck Press with quite a few titles in it. This is going to be the first one that I'm going to review, not their first author. I have covered one of their other offers in a previous episode. First time covering Jonathan Andrashek. Plum Fuck Press is known for their splatterpunk style books, and this one is going to be very much the same thing. So I figure with this book, I want to start by reading the back. Not being uh, well-versed in any of the splatterpunk genre, I feel like it's better to read the back. It'll do a much better job at explaining this than I will. So, here we go. 24 Tales of Horror and Darkness A horny serial killer realizes his own shallowness when he crosses the wrong stripper. When a souped-up, unique Chevy Cavalier's owner is threatened, the car develops plans of its own. A pizza delivery driver enacts immediate payback against a cheapskate who never tips. Two young siblings learn the difference between imagined horrors and real-world terror. An author's mind cracks and he takes his rage out on those around him. The impact of climate change, the ramifications of a second American civil war, greed, depression, racism, revenge. These are only a few of the tales and topics covered in bits and pieces. Jonathan Edward Andrashek's first collection of horror shorts, drabbles, and dark poetry. Heed the obligatory warning inside. Bits and pieces may push boundaries and is not intended for the weak. Well, I don't know about you, but that sounds plumb fuck awesome if you ask me. So, this has 24 stories inside. As I usually do with collections, I'm going to cover a couple of the stories inside. I don't want to ruin the whole book. I do want to give you just a couple of teasers and a few that I would read that I thought were interesting and review them here on the show. So, with that being said, bits and pieces, let's get into it. Alright, so... I guess I should say this as well. Bits and Pieces is, if you look it up on Amazon, it's spelled bits, B-I-T-S, the letter N, and then pieces. So there's a Bits and Pieces, some other series that uses that title. So when you uh, search it on Amazon, a lot of times it'll come up like that. So check the picture that I post online so you can see what the cover looks like so you're not, you know, getting the wrong thing. Also, you can look up the author. And on his page, it's going to have all of his titles available as well, as well as going to the website. So try those first if you're having a hard time finding it. But you can find it on Amazon, so check it out that way. So the first 
story we're going to start with is called Nowhere to Hide. Now, again, this book has not only short stories in it, it has poems and other things like that. So this was a short poem that literally has the line, this is a (laughs) word for word a line, squeezing a fat turd from my sphincter and decayed fingers wrapped around his ball sack and zombies come through the floor. So squeezing a fat turd from my sphincter was the line in the book, but it also has something in there about, you know, (laughs) squeezing his ball sack and pulling him through the floor from the toilet. It's a very short, I'm talking just like a paragraph and, and that's it. And so I open this book and that is the first story I read is a guy's taking a shit during a zombie I guess, apocalypse type thing. And he ends up getting drugged through the floor by his nuts while he's taking a shit. So, like I said, not super familiar with this kind of stuff. So that was, you imagine opening the book and that's the first thing that slaps you. And you're like, holy shit, what is this? You know, I thought it was entertaining. It's pretty funny. And, you know, was ready to get into the next story. So the next story, I decided to try to pick one that had some length to it that's uh, in this collection. And it's called Tooth Fairy. Now, Tooth Fairy, it follows a group of friends from middle school to adulthood. So it's a pretty lengthy story, and it really fleshes out these characters, these friends, from the time they were kids in school, getting picked on and bullied, to the time when they are adults, and still kind of dealing with and processing the trauma that they experienced when they were a kid, especially a main character who is terrorized by this same bully from the time he was a kid well into adulthood. Now, of course, with this being the splatterpunk, it is a sadistic bully. One, I mean, he tries to rape the dude. He beats him up. He calls him a... The Tooth Fairy name comes from because the kid had some money that he had gotten from the Tooth Fairy. The bully ends up whipping his ass and taking his money. And then he's like, you're going to have to pay me all the time. And so he calls him Tooth Fairy from then on out. So it's interesting that most of these stories, uh, they're short and biting. And so when the story actually has some meat to it and some character building elements and story building, stuff like that, it's odd that it, it's weird to say it kind of slows down the pace, but I guess the the issue that I had with this collection is some are just so punchy, just like right in the fucking chest. And then some of the other stories you read, you really have to, I guess, kind of turn yourself down to settle into the story and let it build a little bit to enjoy it. So I don't, I won't say it's a negative or anything. It's just, uh, if you're not familiar with this genre and you're reading this book straight through, instead of just maybe a story or two at a time, sometimes the pacing of it can be a little weird. So you just kind of got to get ready for whatever you're about to read. Just kind of, kind of draw a blank slate before you jump into the next story so you can really enjoy it. And another issue that I've found with a lot of this extreme, I I keep calling it splatterpunk and I'm sure that's what this is, but you know, I want to say that this, this guy writes more than just splatterpunk. I think it's, you know, I hate to pigeonhole people into just one category. There is a lot of ultraviolence and sexual deviance, that kind of stuff in his stories, but I don't want to categorize him as one thing when he has the ability to, uh, you know, go beyond just that one label. So again, with some of these stories in here, there was some really good storytelling on top of just the graphic, you know, that's just his style, you know? So, uh, one thing that I did notice is reading these stories, Tooth Fairy included, is a lot of times when every story has this hyper violence, it's almost like you're just waiting for the next kill. And so you just, you, you don't really kind of care what happens in between. So, you know, think about movies with this kind of stuff in it. So, you know, I'm a movie reviewer, so I'll compare it to that. If you're watching a movie like Saw or something along those lines, you're not super keeping up with the story that much. It kind of gets lost in the weeds. You just want to see the next death trap, the next kill trap, whatever it might be. And I think a lot of times when you read these styles of stories, they can fall into that. Now, 
Andrushek, if you look it up, he's got a three-part vampire series that are actually some pretty thick books, and I'm, I can't wait to get into those because I have a feeling that this guy can tell a good story. You know, Don't diminish these authors just because they write this hyper-violent stuff. There's some really good storytelling, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to jumping into those and seeing the kind of story and the different things that he's able to weave through these pages and through these uh, big novels and, and really uh, check these things out. So look forward to that review in the future. But right now, we'll move on with Tooth Fairy. So the kid ends up getting bullied. He's bullied well in the time he's adult. He ends up moving out of the town and becoming successful. And we'll just say a long story short, he moves away. He comes back, and he makes a plan to kill the bully that was always, you know, fucking with him for his whole life. And pretty serious. And screwing with his friends and everything, too. And there are, there's also a race element in this story with uh, racism and that kind of stuff. So it just kind of adds an extra little bit of heat to the story and the bullying and everything else that's going on. So that is a, also a factor in this one as well. So he comes back. He finds out that the bully is into these weird sex clubs and all this kind of stuff. So he ends up soliciting the bully online and getting him to meet up with him for a weird sex club, you know, kinky shit, whatever is going on, you know, like the whole gimp suits and all that kind of stuff, right? And I want to say the Tooth Fairy guy, I forgot to say this, the big part of it, the Tooth Fairy guy ends up becoming a dentist. So, you know, it's kind of art imitating life, imitating art, whatever it is. So that's what he does. That's his career. He comes back. He cons this guy into coming to his house, He's or to a house, and lures him upstairs and just pretty much ends up brutally murdering this guy. And the cherry on top of this is he does it with a Tooth Fairy bat. Now, I know what you're thinking. What the fuck is a Tooth Fairy bat? Well, I'll tell you what a tooth fairy bat is. It is a bat covered in covered in teeth, and he uses it in very in graphic description. Talks about ramming it right up his you know poop chute and just brutalizing it until it looks like shredded hamburger meat. And so yeah, that's uh, that's that's the end of that story. There's a lot of in between, and like I said, there's a lot of story building and you know to get you to understand who these characters are and that kind of stuff. But that is going to be the meat and potatoes of Tooth Fairy. So pretty nuts. So I can only imagine the other longer stories that are in there are going to be just as wild as it. I mean, it's a wild ride. I mean, these if if you've never been introduced to this genre at all, they really are a wild ride. I mean, it's just it's a it's a crazy uh genre to just be exposed to for the first time for sure. Right, the next story is A Feast for Felines. Now, I actually did a dramatic reading of this. I think it's in episode 34, 35, something like that. So, you know, at the end of my episodes, I'll usually put some bonus material. It could be outtakes, some weird random song that I made, or some other just wild stuff. So I'll put things like that at the end, special messages, uh, updates, whatever it might be. And at the end of that particular episode, I did a reading of A Feast for Felines. It's really short. It's literally just a paragraph, just a couple of lines. And it's about a lady, or we assume is a lady, could be a man, is a man in my story, and they have cats, they're bitching about their cats, they go downstairs to feed them because they're all meowing and wanting some food, and as they go down the stairs, and if anyone that has cats knows exactly what this feels like, you're going to walk, and what does the cat do? It shoots right in between your legs, like right where you're trying, like it's trying to fucking kill you, right? Because I believe that's what they're trying to do, they know it. They're wanting to eat that sweet people meat. <laughs> so so the cat shoots between the legs of this person, trips them, they fall down the stairs, boom, crack, snap, bones break, they die, they're bleeding out, and as they're dying, as they're dying, it's it talks about how the cats are like licking the bones and the blood and all this as that person just like fades away. 
And pretty cool story. And like I said, the cool thing about this, it elicits a lot of images and feelings and things like that in a very short amount of time. And I think that's pretty cool. So yeah, Feast for Felines, good story. And I'd like to add to this, if you have animals in your home. Now I've said this before, a lot of you know that I do work in fire services, a firefighter, and I've worked deaths and wrecks and all this other kind of stuff. But just so you know, if you have small animals in your house, this includes cats, dogs, big, small, it doesn't matter. If you die in your home, your animals are going to eat you. I just want you to know that. I just want you to know that if your kids find you or your parents or your loved one or your kids or, or, or whatever it is, they are going to find you with probably most of the skin eaten off your face seems to be the place where they go first, unless you have a wound or something somewhere else, and then they'll kind of pick at that. But yeah, pretty gnarly to think about. And so that was, of course, going through my head when I read this story, because uh, if you've never seen it, it's uh, fucking, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild shit. So yeah. All right. So that is A Feast for Felines. And that is our third story. Again, it's one of the shorter ones in there. The next one I read was a poem called Speak My Name. And it's it's a poem about, uh, I'm going to say it's a poem about the itching voice of failure. It's, it's, the tone is very masochistic, you know, you're a loser, you're, you're shit, you know, you're never going to make it, you're never going to be good enough, that kind of stuff. But it never says the name. So it's kind of like a, a Rolling Stones song or something, you know, it's like, you know, pleased to meet you, you know, can you guess my name kind of thing is kind of what I thought as I was reading it, but it's just this damning voice. And, and then of course, at the end of it, it says, speak my name. And I think what's cool about, you know, poetry in general is it's up for interpretation. So it has this negative voice in it. And my whole thoughts on it as I was reading it is it could be anyone. So I might read that and hear the voice of, you know, I, I don't know who, I, I'm not going to say anyone negative on here, but let's just say if you're reading it, it might be the voice of a stepdad or a father or an uncle or a grandfather or a mother or whatever it is. And I think when people read this, it's going to be different to everyone else. Someone else might read that and be like, oh, it's the voice of Satan. It's the voice of the devil. It's the voice of a preacher. It's the voice of, you know, my fucking football coach or whatever it is. I don't know. But it's it's cool that it can be interpreted that way. But again, it's just very masochistic and damning in the voice, which is very much in theme with the rest of the book. All right, the fifth story is another one of the longer ones in there. Again, I didn't want to just cover a bunch of, of the poems and the ones that are really short, even though they are cool. I want to kind of give you another taste for the different stories that are going to be in there. So we did Tooth Fairy, which was about a bully and the guy that was getting picked on basically getting his revenge in a very violent pseudo-sexual manner which was you know pretty cool pretty satisfying I guess when you're reading it the next one I did which is probably the f my favorite out of the ones that I'm going to review is called Dying Wish now Dying Wish is a cool story about some rich family man who's just kind of bored with his life and his wife and his kids and all that and so he's been hooking up with random online dominatrixes to cheat on his wife so he's working out some kinks for quite you know figuratively literally whatever he's he's working these things out with these different uh, people that do this kind of shit online and another interesting thing about this so you know a lot of the stories that i like stuff that i enjoy the most is going to be like haunted houses witches and all this kind of stuff most of the time it's got a supernatural type element to it and that's kind of what scares me is the unknown and not seeing 
And the cool thing about this style in particular is it's just so different because everything is out in the open. It's it's stabbing you to death with the lights on kind of thing. You know, you see every dirty little detail and it talks about the dirty little details in people's lives and their minds, what they think, what people do in the dark, what people do that no one else sees and they would hate for anyone else to know. And you read these stories and you're like, oh my God, that's sick. But then you also kind of think like, I know some people who are probably fucking like this and that's just as terrifying. You know, what's more horrifying than real life, right? So uh, that's kind of the the nod I give to the splatterpunk genre and these type of hyper-violent things is, yeah, like I said, and I keep saying it, but it's, you know, not my favorite, but I definitely see the appeal and uh, I enjoyed, you know, reading this. So, well, not bad. So anyway... Our main, our main guy here, he meets up with this dominatrix. He gets led into a house by someone that's wearing like a latex gimp suit. And the only thing that is exposed is like her breast and her lips, and I think in her eyes or something like that. And the house is all darked out. It's just like blacked out. So she grabs his hand. Uh, it goes on to explain like, you know, she's leading him through the house and doing all this stuff, literally having to put his feet on the steps to take him um, up or down some stairs. I can't remember which way, but they go to like a secluded room in this home. And as they're going through this, they're doing a little teasing and a little bit of stuff here and there. You know, a little bit of what you would uh, assume happens in these kind of things. A couple of biting and pulling and punching and hitting and all this kind of stuff. To the point to where the guy is actually kind of like, oh, okay, well, because he's thinking, oh, she's being she's being bad. She's being dirty, but I'm going to get my turn here in a minute because that's usually how these things go. Well, she keeps kind of amping up the aggression and eventually the dude's like, okay, look, check it out. I'm the rich playboy, like, I'm paying you, I want a safe word, and I'm kind of over all this, you know, macho shit that you're giving me. And like I said, it gets turned up, she takes him to a chair, and there's plastic all over the floor, so you already know it's about to get really weird. You know, I guess this guy thinks it's just about to get down and dirty, sexy, whatever, but she puts him in this chair, like, stomps his nuts with a high heel, and uh, ends up, you know, they're, they're swapping blows and all this kind of stuff, and he just kind of sinks down into it, like, okay, we're gonna go, you know, hot and heavy with the kink tonight, get, you know, let's, let's do this. So he kind of, you know, submits to his role in this little back and forth, and he sits in the chair, and she ends up tying him down. So his arms are tied down, his legs are tied down. Now he's in this chair on this plastic, and he can't do shit. And so once he's down like this, it starts getting a little out of control. So the woman that's there with him, she starts beating him. She gets out a knife. She starts cussing, uh, cutting him. And, you know, he's losing. He's, he's going in and out of consciousness. He's losing a lot of blood. She's jacking him up. And she keeps asking him all these questions like, you know, why are you here? Why are you doing this? Whatever. And he starts talking about, hey, look, you know, I'll pay you whatever you want. Like, I got a family. Don't do this. I got a wife and kids. And she's like, you know, you don't give a shit about them or you wouldn't be here. You know, I don't want to hear that stuff. And so eventually, after like holding the, the, the blade to his neck and all this, she's like, you know, what's what's one thing you wish you could do or say before you die? Or, you know, what do you wish you what's your dying wish? Which is, uh, you know, obviously a throwback to the name of the the story. What's your dying wish? What's your dying wish? And he keeps saying, you know, oh, I wish I would have told my kids this. Or I wish I would have that. And she's like, no, that's bullshit. You know, if you cared, you wouldn't be here, blah, blah, blah. She goes into all that. And finally, after, you know, torturing some more, he finally just kind of deflates. There's no more of him left. And he's just like, I wish I could see my wife one last time. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay. So so here I, you know, here I am feeling a little bit sorry for this guy. You know, even though he's a fucking cheat. And uh, he says that. And that's when she unzips her little gimp mask. Now, understand, too, there was a scene where she has a tattoo, like, on her... Because remember, I told you her breasts are out, so she had a tattoo there. 
And the reason why that's significant is at some point he said he thought he saw the sweat and the blood and everything that's spraying out of him kind of washed it like it looked like the tattoo is being washed off. So at the end, there's this big reveal where she unzips her gimp mask and oh shit, it's his wife. And it's the last thing he sees before she slits his throat and kills him. But that's me explaining it to you. In the story, it doesn't end like that. He says that like his final wish, what's your dying wish? And he says to see my wife one last time. And it says... Something like, you know, she unzips and and he was able to fulfill his wish or something like that. So pretty, it, was, it was just a cool way to end it other than be like, hey, you unzipped and peekaboo, it's his wife. So again, that to me, this story was one of those where it shows that 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 uh, that Andre Shek can really, you know, he has good storytelling skills. It's not just a gimmick is what I'm saying. So originally, and I, I won't lie, you know, with the splatterpunk genre, I thought that's what it was at first. I just thought, hey, it's just a gimmick. It's a way to get, you know, it's easy to write this stuff. Anybody can just be like, write the most crazy, violent, you know, whatever sick thing to make people go, ooh, why would you want to read that? But I'll tell you what, after being introduced to some of these authors with Plumfuck Press, I mean, these individuals, they can really throw it down on the page. So... Um, you know, don't be shy. Uh, go to find out some good authors that do this stuff and, you know, get introduced. You start with Plumfuck Press or wherever you want and check some of these guys out. So they got some good stuff. Um, yeah. So that's that. The last story that I went over was called Just a Tip. Of course, because of all the super sexual deviant shit that happens in all these stories, I'm thinking that this is going to have some dick stuff. And it didn't. Actually didn't. It was actually about giving a tip. And again... Another good part of the storytelling here is it has a, it begins with the end, so to say. It, it's cool how, like, I could see how if it was a movie or if it was like a little 30 minute episode or something, how it would play out. And I think a lot of these kind of play out that way, which I think is neat. Just more on the film side for me. And uh, this one starts out with a guy. He's talking about tipping his waitress. Uh, of course, not without talking about how thick and juicy she is first. And then he talks about tipping her. And then it goes into a story. We have a pizza delivery guy. And he talks about going to this guy's house like three or four times a week, the same order, the same thing. Every single time the guy always gets it and the dude never fucking tips him. And so he goes there again one day and the guy comes out and he's, he's talked about, he's explained as being like this just slob kind of guy. Comes to the door, talks to the kid that's delivering his pizza. And it's one of those things where he gives him the, he gives him the money or whatever. And he's like, Hey, keep, keep the change. And the change is like 14 cents or something. I can't remember. It said in the book, but it was a very small amount. So he gives him the small amount and finally the dude just kind of lets him know like, Hey, you're a prick. We do this all the time. I'm bringing you this food hot and ready every single time I get it over here to you quick. And all this time I've been doing it. You've never given me a real tip. Well, of course this dude's a fuck, you know, he's like offended and he's like, Hey, you know, he's pretty much like, screw you. You know, this is uh, whatever. He, he just kind of talks down to him. Well, the guy ends up going, um, the pizza delivery guy ends up going into his house and they kind of hash it out inside the house. And there's this back and forth of looking into what the pizza guy's thinking, like what's going through his head. And he's having all these visions of like, oh man, I want to do like, I want to kill this fucking guy. I want to do this. I'm going to bash his head and do all these things. And again, this is the, this to me in, in this kind of genre is these aren't, I mean, this is things we've all, you've all been at work or somewhere and we've had these kind of, you know, uh, they call, they call, everyone calls them intrusive thoughts. I wouldn't even say they're intrusive. I just say they're just there. It's just part of it. You know, we don't do it or act on it or whatever, but it's just these thoughts. So to see them played out, maybe that's pff, cathartic or something to kind of see like it play out because, uh, you know, the endings aren't always good. It's not like this glorifies any of this stuff. It's just, you know, just storytelling in a different kind of way. So 
He's talking a bunch of trash, this guy. They go back and forth. The pizza dude finally has enough of it. And he ends up smothering this guy to death with a pillow. He sets everything up to make it look like he's never been there after they argue about the tip. And there's a big commentary in here about tipping and what it means to people that work in service industries and that kind of stuff. So you can really, you can look deeper into it if you want that way. Anyway, he does this. Pillow kills the dude, sets it up. He talks about how, you know, the cops came later on. They said it was all natural causes, whatever, because dude was a slob. He dies this way. And then we go back to the person that was talking at the beginning and you find out like he's in Mexico or somewhere like that and he's somewhere and giving this waitress a huge tip. And that's just kind of the callback to, you know, the title, the beginning and all that. This dude was like, I guess, you know, because of this situation, he's like, I'm always going to tip people great. So there's also a bunch of other little fine-tuned things in the story that are nice, just little Easter egg drops in there, you know, where the guy talks about he's got money from his other employers and all this kind of stuff. So... He's all he's no stranger to conning and that and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, cool stories. Um, that's just six. Like I said, some of those are the stories, some of those are the poems. I just kind of wanted to give you a quick little taste of that, it's a quick little review of this book. There's more on the way, not only from this publisher but some others. And yeah, that is our book review episode for today. This is the Just James Horror Review. I'm your host, Just James, and don't forget. Halloween month is coming up. It's almost October, right? So uh, just to let you guys know, I figure I'll let you know a little bit about my plans for Halloween. So what I'm wanting to do is 31 Days of Horror. I'm going to try to watch 31 of the original old black and white Universal and others horror films. All of the, the, the OG stories that I would say, you know, me personally, I've never actually seen a lot of these. Where do all these ideas come from? The Wolfman, the Mummy, the Vampires, all this stuff, all the... The, the building blocks of horror that people fall back on or might not even be aware of that that's where these things come from. I want to go back, check out all these movies, and then do a review. So I'm going to try to do 31. I'm going to try to watch 31 um, and end on, you know, uh, Night of the Living Dead for Halloween. Of course, you have to. And yeah, that's where I'm going to go. So if you got any suggestions, please email me at justjameshorrorpodcast at gmail.com. Hit me up on Instagram or wherever. Let me know what you'd like to see me cover that falls into that category. Like I said, it doesn't have to be necessarily the universal monster, uh, you know, category. It can be something outside the box. As long as it was made, we'll just say, you know, 70s and sooner and it's in black and white. All right. So we'll take those, go over the building blocks. I'll try to do uh, an episode or two, just depending on how it pans out, an episode or two a day. They will be short, just kind of poppy reviews and we're going to have some fun selling. So check it out. Hope you guys enjoy it. Love you guys.